and I'm Linda McHenry with The Writer's Voice, and my guest today is Michael J. Malone, and we are going to talk about writing in multiple genres and talk about how much emotion to put in your books and a bunch of other stuff. But before we get to that, let me say hello, Michael. How are you? Hello, Linda. I'm, I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be chatting to you. Glad to do that. Now, folks, Michael and I have known each other, oh, about 10 or 12 years. I first met him when I interviewed him on my Author Exchange blog. And we've been internet friends for a long time. And now with the Zoom thing, we have kind of met each other. Uh, You're finding the same thing, Michael, all these these Zoom meetings? Yeah, yeah. It's a a, a whole new world, isn't it? It's um, not something I did much of before, just the odd Skype chat. Um, But now we are kind of remote from each other. It's good to have that personal contact rather than just emails and stuff like that. So yeah, this is cool. Yes. I'm enjoying that. Well, that's good. All right. So tell us about your, um, you have a book coming out in ebook, right? Yes. I have a book. It comes out in the UK next week. It's called A Song of Isolation. And it's about a a famous actress who steps back from the limelight uh, and settles down with a, a guy who's just an ordinary Joe and um, the whole world's kind of agog at this, the fact that she had such a stellar career and great riches were hers for the asking kind of thing. And um, But she just wants a quiet life. You find out why later on in the book. But she's settling into this new quiet idyllic life and then her boyfriend is accused of molesting the next door neighbour's child. And... Uh, <laughs> Because she doesn't distance herself from him, because she's the famous person, everybody gets on her back. Um, She gets so much bad press, so much attention, that she flees the UK and hides in France. So the, the book kind of charts her experiences and the guy that's been accused and the little girl who's at the heart of the allegation so that's um so the three of them are essentially now in isolation because of this allegation so i'm investigating this through the eyes of the three different characters okay and you certainly do pick your challenging (laughs) conflicts for your characters Uh, i've read most of your books and you're always coming up with something that seems like it can never never be solved and i mean you do do it. I, yeah, I like to put my characters through it and I, and I like to investigate issues that we don't talk about much. Yeah. So for example, a good example is my novel, A Suitable Lie, yes. which, is about, which is about a male victim of domestic violence. So it's something that's kind of uh, almost taboo, which I, I think is bizarre because it happens and it happens way yes. more than we are prepared to admit. Um, yes, yes. So there are things like that. I like to look at these often from the male perspective as well, because these highly charged emotional issues, we kind of think that they are they happen to women and men are the cause of them. But I like to kind of flip that a wee bit. So look at it from different angles. Well, stuff happens to everybody. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things where I think some of us focus too much on those things. Uh, just like you, you typically think of uh, male writers as writing crime, a true crime, and, and women as writing romance and poetry. 
but yes. you are one of those writers who've written poetry, you've written crime, you've written mystery, you've written thrillers, you've written nonfiction. Tell us about how you do all of that and what drives you to write all those different kinds of things. I think it depends where the story takes me, actually. So in, initially, my very first novel that was published was called Blood Tears, and that came from a dream. So the, the dream, yeah, the dream was that I had written a novel. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but there was a central image that stuck. You know how you go about your day and your dream fades and you're left with just a, sometimes an emotion, but you can't put a name on it? Mm -hmm. But this particular dream, there was a, a part of this novel that I wrote in my dreamland where there was a character in front of a mirror and he had a white mask and a scalpel and he nicked his lower eyelid so there was a tear of blood dripping down the mask. Now, when I, when I woke up, that was all I could remember and it stuck with me for days and I thought, I've got to use that. That's just a, an incredible image. And... Um, I tried it as a poem, I tried it as a short story. I, I just wasn't, wasn't working. And then, you know, the, those two words that are the engine of ideas, and that's what if. Yep. So sometimes having a chat with another writer friend helps, doesn't it? Because when the, the words hit the air, sometimes sparks off something else in your mind. So I heard myself saying, without even planning it, but what if that was a serial killer? And he was celebrating having made a kill. And I thought, right, I'm going to write that scene. So that became the, the, the first, the opening chapter of this book. And then I thought, right, okay, if I've got a serial killer, I need a cop. So I just started this guy, Ray McBain, and he just appeared. And I hear other writers saying this, and I think, oh, yeah, of course it did. But it just <laughs> appeared on the page, like, as if it had been part of my psyche for decades. Yep. <laughs> but I think your unconscious works on things, doesn't it? Like oh, you said, you have God, your dreams, does, yeah. you don't remember everything. How many people, I wonder how many writers have started a book and they stop because they just didn't get it like me. And you, you, you just can't get where I'm two thirds of the way through a book and the character isn't working. And then, you, like you said, you're brainstorming with another writer or mm -hmm. you attend a conference or something happens and it's like, click, this goes off. And then you just go with it. I know, yeah, and what's even better is when, I mean, I don't plan anything, so I'll just be writing away, and then something will happen, and I'll go, oh, yeah, of course, because that happened there. And it's as if the, it's Stephen King calls them the boys in the boiler room, doesn't he? It's as if they're chuntering away in the background, and then they're presenting it to my conscious mind, and I think, oh, yeah, I've got it. That's why I did that there. So, and, it all kind of, and when that happens, that's just great. Well, you know, one of the things I think too is I find with me, I think my unconscious mind works better than my conscious mind. And I think mm -hmm. that now that I'm older and my skills, my writing skills are better and my relationship skills are better and I have more experience, there's more data crammed in that database. Oh, and I yeah, think that if you just that. access that and trust yes, yourself, you do yes. that. And, and like you said, writing the writing what needs to be written, whether it's a short story or a book or the genre that you need. Uh, right. I, I, yeah, think yeah. That, I think that more of us need to listen to that than what the market wants. Yeah, yeah. And it's even like in my book, House of Spines, which is a kind of gothic, um, almost virgin on horror. So that's a completely different genre again. And, and that kind of came from a dream as well, because mm -hmm. I found a notebook <laughs> 
And the, no, you know the way you write something down and you look at it years later and you'll think, oh yeah, I remember that. I have got no recollection of writing this. <laughs> and the only reason that I know that it was me is because it's my handwriting. <laughs> if, I, if it was... <laughs> and, even, and even the pen itself had kind of bled ink and bled into the page. It was completely surreal. So I must have woken up in the middle of the night and written this down. And essentially it was, young man inherits a house from a side of the family he didn't know exists. He goes to investigate. And in the house, he finds a lift. And in the lift, there's a mirror. And in the mirror, he sees the face of a young woman. And my sort of sleeping mind had written this down put it away and then forgotten about it and then found it like three years later. It was just, when I read that, I was like, yeah, beautiful. What a great idea. And that was me. Then I've got a Gothic novel (laughs) as well. (laughs) Well, and that's good. And, And I know myself that I, anything I've ever written, I've kept. So, you know, I've got three chapters here, five chapters there, 10 chapters there, different characters. And I've, I've several times pulled from them. My day job involves, writing in the insurance industry. And I've written a bunch of, not a bunch, but a fair amount of nonfiction and, and other stuff. And, and you did that. And, and I'm curious to know about all the research and how your research is different when you're writing nonfiction than fiction, you know? So, you know, the um, book with, about, that you did with, with Bashir. Yeah, the book with Bashir, um, there's also, I wrote the book about the Scottish success stories. Yes, Carnegie's Call, Carnegie's, Carnegie's Way, Carnegie's Call. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so with, with that, it was more, the research there was investigating the individuals that I was writing about. Then I would go and interview them and get their side of the story. And then it was a matter of think, picking out lessons. Okay, this person did that well. How can I use that as a kind of the basis of a, an essay almost about that particular aspect of their character? and how they have developed that to achieve whatever it is they've achieved. So there, there was that, that was a different kind of research. And then with the book that I wrote with Bashir called The Guillotine Choice, that, that was based on his father's story. Now his father is a, an Algerian, it's set in the 1920s in Algeria with the colonial French, um, and he's, he's put in an untenable position because of that whole situation. So I had to research Algeria, Algerian history, the fauna and flora of Algeria, the religion, the kind of um, how the population, it was a very agrarian population in those days and they were under the heel and the thumb and the guillotine of the French. Um, the, the, The conditions were appalling. And then I, I knew nothing about the French colonisation, so I had to research that as well. So it was kind of immersing myself in that world and in those days. And I remember I was at a writer's retreat. And so I'm part of the story then moves on to Devil's Island, famous from Papillon. So this mm-hmm. guy was yep. in that same prison. Mm-hmm. So I had to research that as well. And I remember I was at a cottage up in the the north of Scotland, in a retreat, and I would spend the whole day writing. I've done all the research before I go, so that when I get there, I can just write. And um, I remember being up in the room for hours, and then kind of surfacing, and I went down the stairs, and there was like a communal area, and people were talking about 
television and telephones and coffee machines and I'm what are these televisions that you're talking about (laughs) I was completely so immersed in this world that I'd forgotten about just temporarily modern inventions it was a bizarre um mind that, that I had in that in that moment it was really it was really funny actually well and the thing is I know the setting I read that book and I really felt like I was there it was so, like desolate desolate place oh yeah and 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 away from everyone so I can tell that you did immerse yourself and this is the next thing I want to talk to you about is is emotions writers obviously put part of themselves in a book they have certain emotions and sort of their characters and how do you decide, especially like if you're writing a subject like a topic for Bashir, which is heartrending for him and his family, or the suitable lie about the domestic abuse, or the, the new book that's coming up with the allegations of sexual abuse against a child. Those are all very, very emotional. How do you know how much of your own emotions to put in, your own experiences to put in in that? Because I'm guessing you have to put your own in or it wouldn't feel authentic to the reader. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I have to say that I've never experienced any of these issues that I've written about. However, I didn't have a particularly great childhood and I have had periods of anxiety, depression as an adult. Um, So there is those experiences that I can then bring to bear when I'm thinking about the characters that I'm writing in this book. So the, the situation is alien to me So I have to research the impact psychologically on someone of that and try and portray that in a way that it isn't exploitative. Mm -hmm. So essentially I'm I'm saying this is what happens and this is how they've reacted and this is how it's felt. And so trying to be as honest as I possibly can, but I'm pulling from my own reserves of emotion for some of the stuff that I've gone through. So it's, it's, it's kind of um, that style of acting, what is it, method acting, I guess. And I was just going to ask you that. That's what it sounds like to me. So yeah, yeah, it's you do of, the what ifing again, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you're, you're, putting, you're kind of putting yourself in that person's situation. And um, I think writing is an exercise in empathy. The best writing is an exercise in empathy. And when, when I read a book, I look for all kinds of things in a book. I want to be sent on a journey. I want there to be a puzzle. I want it to be interesting. I want the characters. I want to fall in love with the characters. I want to love the writing. Um, and I want to be emotionally engaged in what's happening, why it's happening and where it's going to go. Um, all of these things. Now, a writer doesn't have to do all of that to get me as a fan. If they do one aspect well, then I'm on side. But if they do all of it, oh man, I'll, I'll, I'll walk about with a book and just stroke it. I've, I've done that before. <laughs> but isn't that what you want to do? That's what you want when you when you read a book, at least for me, I want to be, like you said, emotionally engaged. And as a writer, I want to make a difference to the reader. I want them to feel the emotional impact. Of oh that. yeah, absolutely. And I think what you did, what you have to sort of work out, because bearing in mind that these are essentially crime and mystery novels, sometimes a thriller. So you have to choose your moment. So there, there, there may be a, a thrilling, exciting moment. You, do, you don't want to be spending too much time with a guy feeling sorry for himself. You need to focus <laughs> on the action. It's afterwards when the impact hits them of the action. So that's 
you've got to choose your moment. So yeah, that's there's a balancing act there. Well, you know, I was just reading a book, a friend of mine, a writer friend of mine referred a book written by Donald Moss about characterizing and injecting emotion into your characters. And one of the things he says is you can't dictate to your reader what emotion to feel. Hmm. But what you can do is you can write so that they're certain to feel emotion. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And let them feel whatever emotion they want. Don't lead them down the garden path, you know, exactly. with 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 a with a, with a collar and a leash. But write so that they will feel it. Ah, it's kind of like those movies where the music leads you where they want you to go, rather than the actual characters. Yes, that kind of that annoys me so much. And it comes down to that old adage of showing and not telling. Yes, and um, and that's something. I constantly go on about when I'm giving creative writing classes, the the importance of that. And if you demonstrate how the character is feeling rather than telling, don't hit them over the head with it. I mean, right. a, a good example is in the um, the the guillotine choice. This just came into my head, where the character he is given the choice. He can go free if he gives the authorities the name of the person who actually committed the murder. And he refuses to do it because it was his cousin and his cousin would be beheaded. So there is a scene where the father comes to beg him to give up the name of the cousin. Mm -hmm. And I just describe a moment when he's got his hand on the bars of the cell and his father touches his... I'm getting all emotional talking about this. Well, I read it, so I know exactly what you're talking about. And there's just that <laughs> moment, it just, oh my God. And, and, and the thing is, as the reader, I know me as the reader, is he going to do it or not? You know, yeah. and that's the thing. You don't want to be able to write it or show it in such a way that you're forecasting what's going to happen. You want it to, to unfold the way it would with a human being, because we think we know everybody and what they're going to do. And, and, and yeah. we, we think they're predictable, but they're not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, talking about showing, mm. tell us about your new YouTube channel. <laughs> Good link. That was excellent. Well done. <laughs> so the, the, I just um, did this yesterday. Um, I'm a late adopter for most things, actually. And uh, I had recorded a short relaxation session. So one of, I can't remember if we talked about this. One of my other jobs is I'm a clinical hypnotherapist. Yep. So I didn't know that. I work, I work out of a clinic um, which is nearby, and obviously we are closed just now. And I was thinking, everybody's anxiety is going to be through the roof. What can I do to help? So I recorded a 20-minute session, and we put it up on the Facebook page for the clinic. And, and yesterday, I was thinking, why don't I use that for myself as well? So mm -hmm. I opened up my first YouTube thing, YouTube channel, I believe. is Yep, the channel, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> so I uploaded the, the video and I also uploaded, I have some readings, so sure, I have a poem um, up there and a couple of readings from a couple of novels. So it's something I want to sort of build on because there's so many, there's so many things that I'm interested in. It's not just books and uh, the hypnotherapy, I'm interested, I'm studying nutrition as well, and, uh, and I'm fascinated by how the mind and the body works, and I'm fascinated by wellness, and how, and I'm, I'm on a mission to get everybody to look after themselves. Self-care is absolutely vital, and we neglect ourselves ridiculously. So that's my mission, is to 
get people to look after themselves. Well, that's great. And see here, here now you use the empathy thing to tie everything all together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So yeah. now your current book is out in, in the UK right now. When is it going to be released in here in the US? In January, did you say? Yeah, I think um, so. The pattern seems to be that in the UK, it's July for the ebook, September for the paperback. And then it's towards the end of January that the books are released in North America. Okay. So give us the name of the title again and tell us who the publisher is so we can all look for it. Okay. So actually the, the one that's out now in America oh, okay. is called In the Absence of Miracles. In the Absence of Miracles. Okay. And that's published by Orenda Books. All right. I, I recognize that name. They've done a bunch of your books, haven't they? Yeah, they're this five now. Yeah. And yeah, so that's out now, available in the US. Okay. The one I talked about with the fame, the famous actress, that'll be out in January. And the title of that one? A Song of Isolation. A Song of Isolation. Really good title. And now people want to learn more about you. They can find you on Facebook at Michael J. Malone. Yep, yeah. And your, your image on your Facebook page looks very much like the image we're seeing here. They can also reach out to you on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> At Michael J. Malone one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Did I ever tell well, you? I that, thank you. Mm -hmm. if we, we're wrapping up. I was going to tell you about the the J part of the Michael Malone. Did I ever tell you that story? Have you got time? No, you didn't. But why don't you do that? Okay. Right. So there is a, an American author called Michael Malone, um, who wrote Dingley Falls, and he wrote um, a series set in Carolina. It was a crime series. Mm -hmm. um, I'd written a book called Blood Tears. Okay. And I was looking for um, an agent, I was looking for a publisher, and I was in my local bookshop and I saw a book by Michael Malone. And I thought, <laughs> that's me, I'm on the cover of a book. Yes. <laughs> so I picked the book up and on the inside flap cover, there was a photograph of the author and he looked like me. Is it but maybe 15 years older? So the same hairstyle, the same, yep. the same beard. And then, I bought the book, read the book, and in my that particular version of my book, I was having the serial killer replicate the deaths of Catholic saints. And what was Michael Malone, the American version, doing? Pretty much the same thing. Oh, no. How weird is that? So obviously, because this guy, I mean, he was, he's, he's a, such a good writer. Um, anyway, he's watching TV as well, I think. So... When I <clears throat> approached a publisher, I said, at this point, there's an American with the same name as me. We need to differentiate. Um, so I chose the initial J because uh, Homer Simpson's got an initial J and it, and it doesn't, stand, <laughs> doesn't stand for anything. So if it works for Homer, it works for me. So you don't have a middle name then? No, no. No. My three siblings don't. I do. But that's, okay. I, I thought it was your middle name. I knew you had to take it because of another writer. But I didn't realize that it wasn't your middle initial. No, you just no, made one up. No. <laughs> just a nice, nice there you go. Yeah, no, right. you know. And you know, you're the only guy I know who would tell us about this other author and say the names of his books and say he's a good writer to book. Oh, you know what? He's so good. <laughs> Got to buy his books. Well, your your books are really good too, and I hope everybody Thanks. will will read them. Thank you for visiting with me. Maybe you'll come back in January. Oh yeah, um, like or February it. actually. Once the book is out. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Will you do that? Yeah, yeah. And even okay, visit, cool. visit America, that would be fab. Oh, yeah, become famous. Then you can come over and visit. 
Yes, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Let's, let's make that happen. <laughs> yeah, that'll be good. Yeah. Okay, Michael, thank you. We'll talk again soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.